Welcome to Workforce Rx with Futura Health, where future-focused leaders in education, workforce development, and healthcare explore new innovations and approaches. I'm your host, Vantom Kunlevin, CEO of Futura Health. Improving diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace has been a frequent topic on this podcast. Well, today we're going to broaden our view and think more globally. Let's learn how South Africa is taking a systems approach to tackling one piece of the DEI agenda, which is improving economic opportunity for women. Our guide is Futi Mtoba, co-convener of the Women Economic Assembly, a national initiative seeking improved access for women to government and private sector procurement, employment, housing, and other economic essentials. In her extensive business career, Futi was the first Black woman to be named a partner and later board chair of Deloitte South Africa. Deloitte is a global accounting and professional services firm. She also serves as an advisor and board member for the International Monetary Fund and the United Nations Global Compact. She is also a 2017 Harvard Advanced Leadership Initiative Fellow, co-founder of Teach South Africa, and trustee of the Nelson Mandela Foundation. Just to name a few of her contributions, Futi and I became connected through the International Women's Forum, a global community of dynamic women leaders. Thanks for joining us today, Futi. Uh, Thank you for having me. I'm so delighted to host you here in California while you're visiting the U.S. You are an extraordinary woman of achievement and so down to earth. You shared with me that you came from a family of 10 children where all the girls have grown up to be powerhouses just like you. For all of us listeners who are in the thick of parenting, to whom and or, or what do you give that credit? Um, thank you again for the invitation to this uh, podcast and greetings to everyone who could be listening. And thank you for the heartfelt uh, introduction. Uh, to answer your question, I definitely give credit to and gratitude to my parents. When we reflect with my siblings, we realize that our parents were feminists long before I even knew the term feminist. My dad told us that society will expect us to do more than men for us to be recognized. So I was raised in a family of three sons and seven daughters. It was therefore a blessing that destiny had bestowed my father with more girl children. His daughters were the apple of his eyes um, from the beginning he used to verbalize that he was not worried about his sons. His daughters were more important for him because girls needed to be financially independent. And this could only be achieved through education. He recognized that society marginalized girls and women. Therefore, more effort needed to be dedicated towards women's success. So his conversations were very forthright um, regarding these issues. He would say, I don't want you to stay in a relationship with a man until he kills you because you have no financial means to look after yourself. He would say this with such a passion um, that even today, it still resonates um, with us. So as you know that education for, for girls 
um, is not always seen as fashionable and remains a very um, a privilege to the community. For our parents to place education above all else during those years was groundbreaking. Probably it is the reason why I remain involved in education and the empowerment of women beyond my retirement. Well, your father was a good man uh, and your mother too, in terms of being so supportive of you and your your sisters. So Futi, paint for us a general picture of the economic status of women in South Africa. Women are currently, they make up 51% of South Africa's population and about 42% of households are headed by female. Yet almost 50% of women and girls aged between 15 and 64 are economically inactive in South Africa, according to the International Labour Organization's report as recent as 2022. This drives home the fact that half of the working age women are not part of the labour force compared to their male counterparts. Black women specifically are employed in low-skilled, low-paid jobs, and the poverty levels, therefore, amongst Black women are very high. So the productive potential of South African women in the labor force remains very unused. So if you looked at the markets, only seven of the top 100 Johannesburg Stock Exchange um, listed companies are led by women CEO, indicating that even though there is so much that has been done since the democracy of South Africa, there has been minimum progress in the representation of women in senior management and executive position. And this was also confirmed by a recent study of 2022 by PwC, where they also emphasize that in addition to the lack of visibility of these women in these roles, there's also gender pay parity is very high in both small and large companies and the race gap as well is significantly pronounced. So you can see that this data demonstrates that we need to be more forthright and also there's agent action needed for us to support women both in the workplace and those women that also are seeking to enter the, the market. Well, certainly in the United States, we have analogous situations. And I, I'm curious, what are some of the policy or program changes sought out by the Women Economic Assembly uh, to address the inequities? And what was the role of government in catalyzing that work? So the equity and inclusion of women-owned businesses in the public procurement sector report indicates that only 1% and 6% of state um, contracts currently go to women-owned uh, businesses. So in addition, in South Africa, we have the highest rate of gender-based violence. And that's according to the um, State South Africa report of 2018. Our femicides rates are five times higher than the global average. So that led to the National Strategic Plan on Gender-Based Violence, 
which in its one of these pillars identifies that economic power to women is critical. And it takes the perspective that economic vulnerability of any kind leads to further vulnerabilities. What that meant is that to transform our economy, we needed to ensure that women progressively have greater ownership of economic power, which not only takes consideration of the much needed employment, but also women owning productive assets, businesses, and having access to economic opportunities. So therefore the economic um, pillar uh, of the National Strategic Plan, it enabled the public and private sector to work out what are the practical actions that are needed to give effect to this uh, policy framework. And that led to the establishment of the Women Economic Assembly, which was an idea of creating opportunities for women in business to participate in industry via the value chain. So South Africa had identified 17 sectors through the Department of Trade and Industry and Competition that are priority sectors. So the department had done exceptional work and continues in transforming the economy from a localization perspective by having more black participants. But when we looked at the statistics, we realized that there was minimum participation of women. And there was lack of statistics or of reporting what extent are women are supported. So we started with the gender participation framework that highlighted the areas of women-owned uh, business participation in the value chain, employment, pay parity, and also employment parity, representation at, at executive level. You mentioned these 17 industry sectors. How was the private sector brought to the table as part of the solution and what was their role? So the, the 17 sectors have already signed uh, what we call master plans with the department, which means there's an agreement between labor, government and business on how to localize um, the, the economy. So it became very easy for us to, to use that as an entry because we said in this strategy of localization, can we also see what the level of participation of women is going to be? And then of course, we realized that there were no statistics that indicated what was the plan. And therefore we then asked the companies to say, in your plan of localization, can we have visibility of the plan of including women and what are those targets that you're looking for and what would the level of participation be, which then enabled um, us to also ask that we need to have an ecosystem that looks at how will this participation be enabled. By that, I mean, if you look at um, the automobile sector, for an example, it's quite a technical area where in order to own any of the garages, you need to also have 
the level of sophistication and education. And you cannot be able to do that. You can't be a dealer if you haven't gone through that uh, dealership training. So we then say, okay, so tell us how you are preparing the women, which is why the ecosystem becomes very critical. Uh, I see. So let's switch a little bit. Uh, Futi, you've touched so many endeavors in your career. You also sit on the board of the all-girls school that Oprah set up in South Africa. Um, Do you have any added advice to our listeners on how we should think about economic and workforce inclusivity and mobility? Yes. So my experience um, over the years, I've realized that education really underpins everything. Because if you look at the South African rate of of unemployment and you look at uh, what the country needs in order to develop, we need a lot of um, STEM education. We need to continue educating girls. But over and above that, we then need to create the opportunities. Hence, the, the understanding of the plans in the country around areas of, of STEM or technology that we want to be engaged in. So one of the important parts around the education is that in our country, we have a very low level of the maths pass rate, and therefore the STEM education becomes quite um, critical. And then also in terms of just women and girls looking at their dreams and knowing how they can fulfill their ambitions, the leadership training of the girls as young as um, in high school becomes very crucial. Hence the schools like the Opera School OS is a very critical initiative from a South African perspective education, access to education opportunities, and then leadership training. These are all good lessons. Uh, Why don't we wrap up now with a final question? Let's end with you sharing your observations on the future work and workers. What more should we consider? That's a a very interesting question, because if you consider the changes that have been uh, brought about by COVID, it really left the world and industries, left schooling, left whatever area you look at in terms of uh, job uh, creation and job opportunities. It made us all rethink of how we do it, how we educate, how people are employed. Should they be visibly at the work? Should they be at school? And also the importance of of technology in this whole um, area. So I believe that encouraging more STEM education, particularly in our areas, will continue to to be significant, such that the young people can become whoever they want uh, to be and achieve their dreams. Well, Futi, thank you very much for sharing your wisdom with us um, to encourage us to rethink everything we do, rethink how we pair with technology and, of course, the investment in STEM. It was great to have you today. Thank you very much. I'm Vantone Quinlevin with Futura Health. Thanks for checking out this episode of Workforce Rx. I hope you will join us again as we continue to explore how to create a future-focused workforce in America. Mm-hmm.